Hi, friends. The world got you down. Don't be sad. Listen to $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. $2 Late Fee is the podcast that celebrates the best decade of entertainment, the 1980s. We pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it holds up today. We also interview your favorite celebrities from that era. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Check us out at $2LateFee.com. Are you a fan of young adult novels? Have you ever wondered the stories behind the people who wrote your favorite young adult novels? Then join author Eric J. Brown and Alyssa Lube of Netflix's The Circle every other Tuesday on YAOK. Available on all podcasting apps. Woo! everybody in case proms were canceled or postponed this year but not in the world of horror movie night (laughs) we're dressed up in our fanciest dresses and gowns and suits and ties to talk about a prom movie like no other the lovely the fantastic the super memorable the definitively a horror movie brian (laughs) buffy the vampire slayer from 1992 (laughs) He's going to fart into the mic again. I know. <laughs> I will say I got sucked into this movie a lot and kept forgetting to write down notes because I was like, man, I haven't watched this in forever and I'm so invested in it. I do think that Buffy was a much better TV show than it was an overall movie, but I really do love this movie. It's a nice little relic of a time and a place. I don't know, man. I, the whole time I was watching this um, for the show, I was thinking – you know, I just don't know which iteration of Buddy Buffy I I prefer. I don't know. Like I I just uh, there there are a lot of things about the movie that I think are superior. Like the idea of the Watcher being an immortal, basically immortal until Lothos kills him. Right? Like he's yeah. been alive for a thousand a thousand years or something like that. Two thousand years or whatever. I, I love that concept. I wish that that concept was in the show, but it also wouldn't have been sustainable for them in the show to have there be one watcher and one, you know, one council, one blah, 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 blah. Uh, and so that's where you come up with shows and like Angel where there are more multiple watchers and stuff like that, right? Yeah, I mean, it's also tough because you're looking at it through a lens of seven years of 22 episodes. Dude, watching Buffy is so, the show is grueling. It was grueling when I got into it in 2006. I think this is why I still to this day will always gravitate towards sitcoms because like sitcoms, I can like rock through a sitcom in a day, you know, like a season of a sitcom. I'll be like, all right, what's it? 15 to 20 episodes that are 22 minutes easy. And I'll just like spend a day watching like the first season of Scrubs or whatever. 
watching any season of Buffy is like, okay, I've got to have a specific time. I got to really make sure that there's nothing that's going to distract me because every little detail seems to be important in this show. Like, but it, it does go through, it ebbs and flows. There's definitively good seasons and bad seasons. There's yeah. The worst season is the one with glory. I agree with that. Actually season five, I, and people love that season. I know. And I don't get it. I'm a big fan of, uh, for me, I love seasons three, four, and six. My favorite is season seven because you get like Nathan Fillion. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't have my favorite episodes, but I think that it is the most satisfying watch on the whole. I also can't stand in season six when you get evil Willow. So yeah, I I mean the last three episodes of season six are rough, but I love the trio as a big bad. Like I, I enjoy just the, like after all these seasons of like these super pumped up villains, you get to season six and it's like these three dorky characters that you've seen every once in a while throughout the last five seasons, just trying to be villains. And they're like, not good at it. And like, I kind of am charmed by the goofiness of that. And I think it does a good job of like calming the, the like darker, heavier nature that is season six of like, Hey, I was in heaven and you ripped me out of heaven. And now I live, on earth knowing that i was much happier dead like thanks for that yeah moodiness of buffy so you oh but season six we get once more with feeling don't we yeah yeah you get the musical episode in season six which is like top notch yeah oh yeah but my my all-time favorite episode of buffy for whatever reason is the double meat palace i just think it's the funniest one um i'm sure (laughs) i've said that before is that that the burger one yeah yeah i think that's season six five Is it five or six? Well, that one. Oh, she's fucking uh, Spike. So yeah, that is season six. Yeah. The other the other two seasons I really like. Uh, season four. I love that when everyone's miserable. High school seniors. No, they're college freshmen. Oh, beer bad. Oh, that's such a great season. <laughs> uh, and that also has Hush, which is like another fantastic episode. And then season three, I think the mayor is like my favorite of all the big beds because he's just so charming. He's such yeah, a charming. Yeah, he's, he's fun. I do actually like that. Yeah, that and that has a couple great episodes as well. But enough about the TV show. What I was saying is that you've got six seasons and tons of episodes that hold important memories to you to compare against the 90 or not even a full 90 minute movie. <laughs> yeah, but that's also one of the joys of this is that it's very, very digestible. Yes. Which is why it's not a horror movie. I will choke you to death. Listen, <laughs> if, 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 if it is a horror movie, the pacing is terrible. No, it's definitely... And the fact that this movie flew by <laughs> proves that the pacing isn't terrible. Ipso facto, it's not a horror movie. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't follow your logic, but yes, I, I enjoy this movie. Matt, I let think me that explain it's... it to you. He's saying that horror movies have to have bad pacing because that's what we watch on this show all the time. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. You both are mishearing me. I'm saying as, as a horror movie, this movie's pacing would be terrible because it was just like the first hour is this teen girl who's slowly figuring out that she could fight zombies and then like or fight vampires. And then... It's like an hour into it when it's like, oh, okay, now like, here's the action of the horror movie side of it. I think the big thing though is that it fits in. Yes, the, of of a lot of the vampire movies that came out during this time, it is definitely more into the comedy. For starters, it's called Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but I think that it is very in keeping with like late eighties, early nineties vampire movies. And you know this because you know about B Cam was very much like hey, these are young, goofy teens 
in a weird situation and like the vampire like vampirism is kind of slick and cool like it's I, i've got a tv show that i'm going to use as my double feature later or not my double feature but as my what did i watch that kind of falls in line with what buffy is trying to do with vampires and it's very much what the 80s aesthetic of vampires was leading into the early 90s before this was right before like interview with a vampire where all of a sudden vampires stopped being like hip young teen sexy and like way more period piece sexy (laughs) again yeah well i'm just saying on a scale of teen witch to lost boys this would be a five (laughs) just teen witch is not a one oh come on Oh, now I got to change my double feature to um, Teen Witch. Um, <laughs> oh, by the way, I picked this movie, so yeah, I, I should pick yeah, Teen Witch. Beyond, like, I know I helped by suggesting, hey, it would come out at the end of May, which is prom season. But you'd had Buffy on your list for quite a while. Oh, yeah. Again, that was, I thought, like, oh, it probably isn't a good movie to pick because it's it's very light. And it's also a very popular film. And, and on the show, I don't. I don't want to do stuff that every other horror podcast has done, even though we could probably do it better. But um, (laughs) we're not going to be discussing the fucking Exorcist or Texas Chainsaw Massacre 1974. You know, we're not going to do that. That's not what we do on this show. Buffy was low on my list strictly due to the fact that it's been spoken of so many times by so many people. And it's just like, I think it's timeless. I think it's fucking great. I mean, it's like it's it's of a time. But it's still funny. It's of a time, but the humor still holds up. And I think that it's a fun who's who of, like, almost famous. Dude, people. there are so many people in this that, that went on to become uber famous. Like, we got Hilary Swank. David Arquette. David Arquette. Well, was ben he, Affleck. Ben Affleck is in that small little yes, thing. I, Love it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, and, uh, the weird thing is, like, Sasha Jensen on the cusp of being famous. He was in fucking Dazed and Confused. He was in Halloween 4. Animal House. No, that's Donald Sutherland, you jackass. Oh. <laughs> Who are we talking about? <laughs> We're talking about the one who's like, the uh, he becomes a vampire and then goes and plays basketball as a vampire. So it's basically oh, like Teen Wolf, but... That guy. I mean, t- Teen Vampire. Who would win it in a game of horse? Teen Wolf or Teen Vampire? Teen Wolf. <laughs> I, I think so too. The vampire can't surf on a van, so. <laughs> I've been I've been slowly watching all of Gilmore Girls over the last couple months, and uh, there's a character that dates Rory called Jess. And while I've been watching Gilmore Girls, I've also been listening to the Gilmore Guys podcast, and they pick on Jess because he's got his little soul patch and his leather jacket, and they're like this little fucking wannabe Luke Perry. I never really watched Beverly Hills 90210, but when I was watching Buffy and M walks Luke Perry with his soul patch and his fucking leather jacket, I was like, oh, God. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I see the connection now. <laughs> R.I.P. Yeah, yeah. How, how are they going to go on with um, Riverdale? Riverdale now. I don't know. I mean, not that I'm invested emotionally in Riverdale, but... I was going to say, why, when have you ever cared what's going to happen on Riverdale? Dude, I, I it's so weird because, like, I, I got really into Sabrina, and just Riverdale is way too far to the teeny bop that i just can't i can't dig it but jade loves it for some reason it's like one of her favorite shows uh you can still not marry her you know (laughs) (laughs) but who who am i gonna get (laughs) hey (laughs) so there's there's a lot of good i would say there's a lot of good quotes this is so many quotes man 
So this is the early Joss Whedon script, although I think Joss Whedon said that a lot of it was changed from his original script. This was still when he was a guy who was writing first drafts and people were doing a lot of changes. But there's lines. Uh, the, the basketball coach early on gets me. Can, can I please do it? Because I yeah, think about it. I say it all the time. Yeah. Okay, repeat after me. I am a person. I have a right to the ball. <laughs> but that's not as funny as when he's fucking folding Cruller's jer- jersey or whatever, and he's like, actualize. <laughs> I say that to Megan constantly. There's a line in this movie that, when written down, isn't that funny. But when Paul Rubin says it, it's hilarious to me. And it's when they they first discover Buffy, and they don't know quite yet that she's the Slayer, and he just goes, kill them a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you ruined my favorite jacket. <laughs> And then that comes back with such a great line when she, he goes, we can do anything. And she's like, oh, yeah, clap. <laughs> I mean, the, the highlight of this movie will always, always, always be Paul Rubin's extended death scene. Death scene. Oh, man. That, yeah, that that was a funny scene. And, and, <laughs> and the knife in the face got me. <laughs> the knife in the face when he when uh donald sutherland throws the knife at her face oh yeah and she's like you threw the knife at my face he's like and you caught it you threw a knife at my face <laughs> because you know it, in one. but you threw a knife at my face it, it's very this movie is very and this might just be because we watched some like it hot recently but it's very some like it hot it's very screwball comedy yeah, yeah. And, and Christy Swanson's voice is very much like a less drugged up Marilyn Monroe also like less sex pot e but you know like they definitely have her with the dark eyebrows and the bleach blonde hair so she comes across very Monroe and then you know she comes in in a white like halter dress for the, the which is not it's not a prom Matt so you fucked me this month this week it's a, it's a senior dance that's basically the prom well no because they're like this is the last dance of our senior year oh except for the semi-formal and the ultra formal oh yeah and prom Whatever it's the but same. and all but here's the I know it's supposed to be a joke that they yeah. have a million dances but so if it's basketball season it lines up more with a winter dance it, obviously it's L A so it's always warm there but if it's basketball season there like it's basketball season in the Midwest that's probably around February or March when you have your your uh, spring dance and then obviously prom is in May but for the purpose of this. Let's just say it's prom because she is just, straight up wearing a prom dress. Well, and I was going to say also there's that line where it's like, well, do all the seniors have to go? And like how many other dances are exclusive to just the seniors, but the senior prom? Oh, yeah, that's true. Uh, but then also <laughs> she's I love how uh, Heather uh, or Hillary Swank rather um, is like. I invited them. I invited everybody. <laughs> Hillary Swank has no right to be as goofy as and well. She's really good at being goofy in this movie, and it just is so shocking to me. Dude, her the scene where her first of all, where the guy from where where uh, Milton before this when he gives everyone detention was, <laughs> and then I couldn't get over the most screwball part, which was done by Hillary Swank. It's when he. Pushes her head against the wall and yeah. her eyes go cross yes. as she slides down. Yeah, I wrote that down. The principal <laughs> knocking Hillary Swank out. And it was uh, straight out of like a Looney Tunes. Like, Ugh. yeah, I was going to say it was like Looney Tunes or a Three Stooges bit. Yeah, <laughs> like, I was just waiting for birds <laughs> to fly around her head. <laughs> 
The one scene that I really don't like, and I think it's just because I think it's edited. Either my DVD's fucked up or it's edited really weird. Is when Buffy cuts David Arquette's hot dog in half. Mm-hmm. She wasted my dog. But is that cut really weird? Like that's edited really weird. Yeah, it's always been like that. I've okay. always thought I, it was always super confusing when I would watch this movie in high school. I'd be like, "What did she do to his hot dog?" Because there was a split second where I thought that she cut off someone's. <laughs> I mean, that's the implication. It's a joke. I get what the joke is, but I was like, wow, they're cutting really awkward. Are they trying to avoid showing that she just cut off David Arquette's dick? Which is, that's the best. Okay, so we're forgetting the absolute best line of this movie, which Megan quotes this so much. Pike isn't a name. It's a fish. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are totally thrashed. That would explain this slurred speech. <laughs> I do love that. I think my favorite part in this movie there's two things. I love anything with Paul Rubens. When he shows up, he's just like this. He is so invested in what that movie is. And I love it. And how did he even get attached to it is what I want to know. Uh, I think it, based on the fact that it was 92, mm-hmm. this definitely feels like, oh, no, <laughs> my career as Pee Wee Herman is over now because I was jerking off in a movie theater. Oh, it was that? Yeah, okay. I should probably start playing a villain in a movie or something. <laughs> because <laughs> Poor I Paul think, Rubin. Because this was the same year that he was like the penguin's father that throws him off of a oh, yeah! bridge at the beginning of Batman Returns. So I think he was definitely on the outs. And probably, honestly, at this point, probably he was very cheap to get into the movie as well. Mm. So I think that there was an element of like, I'm just excited to have a paycheck right now because I've got bills that I have to pay and you know, lawyer fees and all types of stuff, which again, I've, I've said this before. I will say it again. Everything that happened to him is such a fucking, like when you look more and more into that, it's just like a man, if this dude wasn't famous, it would have been nothing but like a hundred dollar fine. And he would have been able to continue with his life. Mm-hmm. And now he's just like the butt of jokes for like eternity still, which is ridiculous because no, no one should give a shit about that. In 2020, the love of Pee Wee Herman has, is definitely far greater than the criticism of Paul Rubin in the modern time. My favorite thing with him, and I'll always say, like, he did how you should always handle something like that, which is uh, when he appeared, I think it was like the year after he was arrested, and he made his first appearance as Pee Wee Herman since he was arrested at the MTV Movie Awards, and he walked out on stage... And everyone was like waiting for what he was going to say. And the first thing he said was, heard any good jokes lately? Because like he was the punchline of so many jokes for the last year. And I was like, that's the way you do it. You just fucking own it. Yeah. Richard Pryor did that as well. Yeah, 100%. He just made jokes about being set on fire all the time. Yeah. Beyond Paul Rubens, I love the first, like the first 15, 20 minutes of this movie is so nostalgic in like a, like just... I remember watching so many shows that were like this, you know, like this, the, the boppy teenage girls and like the, the bad boy punks. And they were sitting at like, like, it's like fucking saved by the bell. You know, like, it feels like it's a scene out of saved by the bell, honestly. But I'm always so confused. Cause I, my parents always said that I watched this a lot when I was a kid. Cause I know that my uncle Craig loved it, but I genuinely don't remember watching this movie ever compared mm. to like, Monster Squad and Goonies and like Pee Wee's Big Adventure and all those other movies. I don't remember this. This was this felt like a first time watch for me. Yeah, this, I love how Brian's bitching about it about it not being a horror movie when I gave him a, a, a an entertaining, well written film to enjoy for our show. <laughs> yeah, 
You can I, watch something listen, else, Brian. <laughs> I didn't say that I didn't like the movie. You I'm just think just that saying, it shouldn't have gotten picked. No, I'm just saying that, uh, you know, a good movie is, is great for me to watch. It's tough for me to uh, to record about, you know? I think we, I, you know, I'm going to pat ourselves on the back. I think we did a very good job discussing Buffy. We haven't even gotten into how great David Arquette is. And not in this movie, just that life. Yeah, no, David Arquette rules. Now, now a touring professional wrestler. <laughs> I like how Brian's like, I haven't even gotten into talking about how great David Arquette is, and then silence. <laughs> well, yeah, that was that was it. That was the uh, opener and closer. <laughs> David Arquette yeah. rules, and he was very hungry. And the first red flag should be, hey, I'm on the second. St- floor maybe i shouldn't let david arquette in he he didn't let david arquette in so there's that so you can't criticize luke perry and pike it's not a name it's a fesh he he (laughs) is half asleep so he doesn't quite realize that and he might be drunk you never know pike might be a real bad boy and getting drunk listening to music because his buddy um has been missing for two days that's true and I do love that. I think that's my favorite vampire trope. And I especially love it in, I know that you don't like the movie that much, but what we do in the shadows when they're just begging the bouncer to invite them in the club. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying that I don't think that what we do in the shadows isn't funny. I just think that the TV show is a much better medium for the concept. That's all. Yeah. I think most, honestly, I think most mockumentary movies probably could work as a tv show like if you did like a best in show or waiting for guffman tv show oh let's not get crazy here because best in show is so fucking funny as it is <laughs> yeah. uh all right scott come on you've got the notes you pick this what are, I, what are we i'm letting about? you guys talk all right so um did you guys notice that ricky lake has a cameo in this no where charlotte the waitress i had never noticed i've watched this movie at least a dozen times in my life and when david arquette is like he dumps the change out of his pocket when they're wasted when they actually do the meet cute with luke perry and and christy swanson i like pause and be like is that fucking ricky lake and i'm like i am not going through the imdb credits and so i google ricky lake charlotte the waitress Buffy the Vampire Slayer, 1992, and it's like uncredited as Charlotte the Waitress, Ricky Lake. You know who else is uncredited in this movie is Seth Green as a vampire. And also somebody else was an uncredited vampire and both he and Seth Green are the only reoccurring actors in the TV show. My other favorite line, which is so, so incredibly inappropriate all this time later is when the biker is when she's running after Gruler and um, I think that's his name. It's Jen, Sasha Jensen's character, the basketball vampire. These bikers are like, you want some real power between your legs? And she goes, yeah, I do. And she takes this bike and he goes, you're a dyke. I'm telling the world. It's just so funny that he says I'm telling the world, but <laughs> not that he calls her a dyke because that's inappropriate and, and pretty mean spirited even for 1992. But um, I do love the I'm telling the world part. And I use that constantly in my lexicon, just the I'm telling the world part. And one last thing is that I don't know if I've ever actively watched the outro scroll, the credits scroll, like the sexist friend of Buffy's ex-boyfriend. He's getting interviewed after the, the prom massacre. And he goes, they had this look in their eyes, totally cold, totally animal. I think they were young Republicans. I cracked up because I've never heard, th- I've never noticed that line before. <laughs> so fucking funny. I was doing a little bit of research on this movie 
And I never knew this. This is a fun little, well, it's fun to me and maybe Scott. So the big thing that Joss Whedon had an issue with with the movie was that his original script was much darker and a little bit more of a horror movie and they lightened it up too much. Like the first episode of the TV show builds off of where his original oh, script Oh, that they, they, they burnt down the, the, the yeah, gymnasium. Like, so they, yeah, so she like burns down the gymnasium to kill the vampires in the original script and that's referenced in the TV show. But also apparently Donald Sutherland's character originally committed suicide in order to not become a vampire and that's how his character dies is that he chooses to take his own life hmm. instead of being turned into a vampire to give away uh buffy's location but that stuff they're like yeah that's a little too dark for us <laughs> we want fun we want boppy oh also this uh says that paul rubens improvised his entire death scene <laughs> Oh, no shit. Thanks, IMDb <laughs> Trivia. Okay, that's all I have to say about this movie. I appreciate you guys letting me blab about how much I love it. Oh, and the, in the words of one bystander, a really gross hickey. That's, that's it. Those are all my notes. Thank you. Hi, friends. The world got you down. Don't be sad. Listen to $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. $2 Late Fee is the podcast that celebrates the best decade of entertainment, the 1980s. We pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it holds up today. We also interview your favorite celebrities from that era. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Check us out at $2LateFee.com. Are you a fan of young adult novels? Have you ever wondered the stories behind the people who wrote your favorite young adult novels? Then join author Eric J. Brown and Alyssa Lube of Netflix's The Circle every other Tuesday on YAOK. Available on all podcasting apps. Woo! All right, well, Scott, you still get to talk a little bit more because we need to know what's your double feature with Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Well... Okay, so I I thought real hard about it, and it should have been fucking Teen Witch. Thanks so much, Brian. It's not Teen Witch, but if I was doing a triple feature, I would absolutely end the night with Teen Witch because that movie is a gem, and no one's coming to your sweet 16 party. (laughs) Uh, We like boys. (laughs) Oh, my God. Brian, you you don't understand fun. I don't. But my double feature would be Cabin in the Woods because it's also a Joss Whedon flick and um, is very fun, but also very much a horror movie. So not Teen Witch, but I would absolutely double feature this with another movie that involves a lot of basketball scenes, Teen Wolf, uh, which I love. And I'm and having, hate. <laughs> I'm having so much regret that we did not put that as a normal episode and that it's a Patreon episode. So I am genuinely considering releasing that onto the main feed because i love that episode so much and also fucking do it what else (laughs) boof (laughs) boof all right brian what's your double feature animal house just because of donald sutherland yes maybe you should just triple feature with invasion of the body snatchers i will that's a good one (laughs) damn it damn it all right so scott what's something that you watched read whatever that you want to give a thumbs up to and tell the world to also check out I'm telling the world. <laughs> we had quite a dramatic week here in the 
you know, Roger Maker House because it's not like the Kelly House where there's one last name. And that's the way I wanted it. We watched two real fucking heavy movies, Ooh. starting with Frozen 2. Yep. Which is better than Frozen 1. And I, I, I just, I was not prepared emotionally for it. Loved Frozen 2. Um, I, I prefer it to Frozen 1. It, it has more rewatch potential for me. And I'm not really a, a, a Frozen guy or a Disney guy, like, you know, modern Disney guy. Um, but really loved it. Uh, cried my fucking eyes out when Olaf died. Uh, oh, spoiler. Uh, it's okay. He comes back. It's a fucking kid's movie. Oh, shit. Spoiler number two. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not good at these things. You're like, sorry, I spoiled that one thing. Let me make it better by spoiling the other part of that. I was just trying to make it better. Anyway, uh, and then we followed that shit up with Love and Mercy on Netflix, the Brian Wilson story. Oh, my God. And that movie is heavy as shit. Really, really well done. Basically, love anything with John Cusack. Um, I love anything with Elizabeth Banks attached because she's phenomenal and her hair is amazing and her eye makeup is fucking smoking hot and she wears those ridiculous shoulder pads so well um and i but i turned to megan and i was like if this wasn't a true story i wouldn't believe it because it is insane for me to think that someone would love someone so fucking broken um you know after or you know it would come back after you know two dates or some shit you know like it's just it's great have you guys watched it yet no But I do love Brian Wilson's crazy life story, so I'm sure... Uh, oh, it's basically just about him um, having a breakdown and doing pet sounds. I mean, that's basically... I mean, it, it, it has young Brian Wilson doing pet sounds and the rest of the band, and uh, and then it focuses on him as an adult kind of becoming emancipated from his crazy doctor. Uh, Brian, you want to go? Well, we watched Onward last night, which is delightful. Yeah. Um, Matt told me not to watch it. I No, I told you not to watch uh, Soul. <laughs> I said... The upcoming movie Soul is made by all of no, the No, you said you actually said on Yeah, you said onward on accident because I, yeah. I remember oh. watching and thinking, I don't understand why this would be too heavy for Scott. As far as I know, Scott doesn't have a brother. Um, <laughs> so, oh, that's right. I needed to talk to you about that because I, I thought about you the entire time I was watching that movie. <laughs> yeah, uh, Jade, uh, Jade said, this is you and Matt. When, uh, when the brother kept trying to do like the Dungeons and Dragons thing for his birthday. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 100%. I was like, man, this is the only time that I'm like Chris Pratt in life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was good. And then we watched, well, not then. We actually watched this before on where we watched this like a week or two ago, but we watched Dark Waters with Mark Ruffalo. Fucking terrifying. Is that the the one about like the lawsuit to DuPont? Yeah, the true story, yeah. and it is so fucked. It yeah. is so fucked up that it's a true story, and it's just how evil and greedy people are. And I wouldn't suggest watching it during this whole coronavirus thing because there's just so many things that you that can't help if you're someone like me just kind of start playing around with that conspiracy theory button because yeah. I have been on a kick. I just no, want no. to take this quarantine, and I won't do it to you guys because I don't I want appreciate- you to live the life I live. But who? I, I want you to tell me though. <laughs> yeah, just off the air, it. please. What, no, yeah. no, on air. Hit me with that shit. One, so one more, and then I'll wrap it up. It'll be quick. Which adds, if you want to get your uh, conspiracy theory juices pumping, uh, last podcast on the left is still putting out episodes. So far, they put out six episodes on the JFK 
uh, assassination. And what's super cool, the way they did it is I think the first two or three, I, I, I'm confused on the timeline, but pretty much the first two for sure is straight fact. So they're just like, this is who these people are and this is what happened. And then they go through all of the conspiracy theories and say which ones that they more align with. And, ooh, it'll get you going. It'll get you going. And that's all I have. So the two things I'm going to recommend are very cutesy and upbeat because that's what I've been mostly trying to watch uh, while terrified and locked in my house. So I finally watched all five seasons of iZombie which was uh, weirdly delightful. I didn't expect to like it as much as I did. It's basically just the show Psych, but with zombies. She works at the morgue. She eats the brain. She gains the memories of the people. And then she uses those memories to pretend to be psychic to help the police department solve cold case murders. But wait, wait, wait. Do they know that she's a zombie? They don't for a couple seasons. (laughs) Um, How does she hide that? So whenever she eats the brains, it keeps her body fresh. Uh, So that's the thing. They're like, you only turn into crazy zombies if they starve you enough from brains that like you become uncontrollable. Uh, So it's kind of like a fun little twist on the zombie mythos, but it's mostly just like, uh, you know, a monster of the week, except the monsters are just people committing murders and thinking they can get away with it. You're selling me on it. And then, I mean, it's literally just cutesy CW zombie comic book. It's based on some image comic, I think, or IDW comic book series. Uh, And then uh, really, really, really liked uh, this new Disney movie on Disney Plus called Stargirl. Uh, I was putting it off because I thought that it was a stupid name, but it's basically just Garden State at a high school, which is my language perfectly. Yeah, that is your shit to a T, man. (laughs) Like, it is, and it's like I'm watching, I'm like, man, this this is Manic Pixie Dream Girl the movie. Like, I know exactly what this is. But I, you know, it's a, it's got a bunch of cute little musical numbers. She walks around playing her ukulele and singing like big star songs. And it hits all the beats of Garden State, but while being in a high school. So if you like Garden State or you like high school movies, then give Star Girl a shot. Uh, but that's all I got. But tying into high schools, tying into Star Girl, and tying into nothing else, I lost track. But next week, 150 episodes. Holy shit, Batman. What are we going to watch? <laughs> Uh, maybe a movie that we did years ago for a different podcast that Scott and I were a part of, but before even Scott was on the show, digging deep into the, the archives, and a movie that Brian and I grew up on, a healthy diet of this movie. So <laughs> stay tuned for all that. Also hit up our Patreon, patreon.com backslash Podcast for whatever bonus content is out there. I think probably a Fear Street pitch this week. I don't know. I don't have this shit memorized. But we will be back with something fun. Thank you guys for listening, and tune in next week for our 250th episode. Yay. listening to the geekscape network uh this is oh shit sorry i was like i muted you and i meant to mute me to kill a bug (laughs) start over again (laughs) Uh, the the, ah is you killing a bug hi friends the world got you down 
Don't be sad. Listen to $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. $2 Late Fee is the podcast that celebrates the best decade of entertainment, the 1980s. We pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it holds up today. We also interview your favorite celebrities from that era. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Check us out at $2LateFee.com. Are you a fan of young adult novels? Have you ever wondered the stories behind the people who wrote your favorite young adult novels? Then join author Eric J. Brown and Alyssa Lube of Netflix's The Circle every other Tuesday on YAOK. Available on all podcasting apps. Woo! You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 